So um, last week, we started a series called Reclaim, and God's really been laying on my heart relationships, not just in our church, but the church, are the, are the forefront in which Satan wants to attack. Y'all with me? I got three pages of notes today. If y'all want to get through this before 2 o'clock, we better get some amens. Y'all with me? 45 minutes is one page. Y'all with me? That's what usually happens. We're praying for a miracle. But anyhow, relationships is where, where Satan wants to attack, and he, wants, and, and he jacks our relationships all up. So many of our walks with God is stagnated because of our relationships. We can't get focused on Christ because we're so worried about our spouse or our significant other or our children. And so those relationships are causing a barrier between us and God because he's keeping us sidetracked. And so if we can understand what it really means to love like Christ and to care for our spouse or our significant other like Christ desires us to, man, that's a game changer. And so one of the things that last week we, we talked about, you know, what marriage was. But this week, um, one thing God's been showing me is like what marriage and what relationships are in the context of friendship and intimacy. I'm going to try to keep today PG-13 when we talk about intimacy but because um, I'm awkward enough talking about sex. But see, this is awkward even saying it in public with everybody. <laughs> but the thing with, with friendship if we don't understand friendship with our marriage and our relationships, we will never understand what it really means to follow Christ. We, you, we lose so much. And it's something that's so simple, but we don't even talk about it. We, we don't even think about it in the context of marriage. As I was doing some studying this past week, the Hebrew word ahav, which means friend, companion, neighbor, fellow, it's a powerful word. It's a powerful word. We, we, we call everybody our friends. Look at your Facebook all them folks ain't your friend. Y'all with me? <laughs> Another sermon. <laughs> but see, that word, ahav, it's so rich because it comes from the root word. It's called rehe. And it's, it's associates with to be friends with, to be companions to. It's, real, it's talking about real intimacy here. And so the book of Proverbs, it, 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 it tells a lot of encouraging things. And as I read through Proverbs this week, one that stuck out to me was Proverbs 18. Verse 24 says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let me read my translation. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the NIV. The NLT version reads this. It says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the last part of it. See, one who has unreliable friends comes to ruin. See, it's one thing to have friends. Everybody's got friends. But there are some friends that are a little closer, that got you back. Y'all believe me on that? I don't call those friends, uh, I, I call them acquaintances. I got a lot of acquaintances that, that I kind of know, that they know me. But um, if I need to call on them, they ain't going to answer the phone. If I'm in trouble, they're not going to answer the phone. And I'm talking about, I'm, and the biggest thing we need to understand is, Everybody that you meet is not your friend. In the context of relationships and marriage, what he's, what, what, what's trying to be t said here is that there's one that's closer than a brother. I, I just, I love that part. Because me, I don't know about you, but I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends. I have one of my best friends growing up. You know, sometimes you have friends that you have in high school that, 
man, you miss, you, you don't see them for 10 years. And when you see them again, you pick right back up from where you left off. Y'all with me? Like, no, no water under the bridge. Nothing's happened. You know, it don't matter to see, see each other in 10 years. You know, gain 50 pounds and you got 17 kids in between those. It don't matter what life has happened in between. Y'all are still the same. Right? Th those people are very rare. And I, I've got one of those. One of those. Or maybe two of those. Melissa's here, so i got to say i got two of those. But <laughs> I've got, I've got one, one, one of my friends from high school, like, he, he'll call me and he'll check on me. And, and, and he's the only, one of the only friends I've ever had to, to call me. Before I even was a Christian, he was like, man, you know I love you. And I was like, yeah, man, good job. Yeah, I love you too. But those are rare treasures. And I want you to understand the relationship you have with your spouse or someone that you're dating, man, it, with the intentions to be married, let me put that right. When you're dating somebody, you better be dating them with intentions to be married. All right, don't be dating them for a good time. They, they call that something else, and we'll talk about that later. But, but the thing is, you better be dating them with intentions to be married. And so they, these relationships, they should be so much deeper than just having this superficial friendship. We have friends that we know things about, but when you are intentional with, with, with the relationships you have, they should, you, they should be like best friends. You should know the deepest things of their life. You know, I love that part about what, what friends mean. Dating I'm telling you, one thing about dating is this. When you're dating, you're focused on gaining information about that person, right? You're trying to find something you don't like so you can get out. That was my mentality anyway. You know, they can't be as good as they seem. You need to grab hold of this, though. You know, being friends with your mate and desiring to know them and understand them is the most important thing you could do. Really understanding your mate, really understanding what makes them tick. See, the concept of friendship is so is something that, that's so transformative. I want you to understand this, that in our dating relationships, in our marriage relationships, that a lot of us miss it. I know I did for a majority of my marriage. But it's one of the most beautiful treasures that I, ha that I have now. And it, it, for my wife to know me, the deepest parts of me, is amazing. Sometimes it's a curse, but most of the time it's a blessing. Because, you know, one of the things I think we've turned marriage into is, is you get married and it's hard, it turns into a prison. But you feel like I can't get out of, I'm, I'm going to be miserable. I don't know how many times I've sat down with couples and they're like, I'm going to be miserable the rest of my life. I'm like, yeah, you are if you don't change. Well, hold up now. I got to change? You're like, yeah, you do and he does. You know what? They don't come back most of the time. Because we don't want to change. We want them to change. Y'all with me? There we go. See, and the, the problem is this, is if we don't understand this, see, God give us this idea of friendship for us to understand that well, our relationship with, with, our, with our couples, with our, with our wife, it should be so deep. Jesus called himself a friend of sinners, right? And, and we should be so, so ingrained in this, not having superficial relationships. Sabrina is my best friend. There is no one on this planet that knows me like my wife does. I can pick up the phone and I can say hello and she'll say, what's wrong? Nothing. Okay. You're going to play this game. But like, you don't know me. She's like, try me. You upset about something. Just by the tone of my voice, she knows if something's wrong. Just by the look I have on my face, she can tell if, if so, what's happened that day. 
I'll come in and, and, and I'll walk in the house and I'll sit something down and she'll say, so you had a bad day? I'm like, have you been talking to Jesus again? Give me a moment. You know what I'm saying? And, and to me, like, I love that about her. Because she knows me. She can ask me just a few questions and she can know just what's wrong. She can know who did it. And she knows how I feel about it. You know, I, we've got that type of romantic type relationship that when you see it, you want to throw up. Yeah, we got that. We got that. She knows how to make me just don't look at me like that. She knows how to make me just melt. She knows how to just, I can be in the most horrible mood and she can say the right thing at the right time to crush me. She knows how to push the right buttons, but also she knows how to push the wrong buttons. She knows everything about me. And then, therefore, the longest, I took that so for granted because she knew all about me, but I knew nothing about her. I, I was her best friend, but she was just an acquaintance of mine. And so many of us, our marriages are just like that. Our relationships are just like that. It's one-sided. And then to, to understand and have that, that, this, that, that awesome relationship in which it is meant to imitate how Christ loved the church is for both of us to pursue each other and live together as best friends. That's when marriage is fulfilling. That's when marriage is, man, that's when it's, and it's awesome. It's when you know you've got someone at home that's got your back, not ready to stab you in the back. Y'all with me? So many of you, 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 get a, you have a conversation with your wife on the phone, and you're like, stopping by the police department, like, can I borrow one of them vests? Because I'm going home, and I don't know how she's going to act. <laughs> Boy, you got to learn one day, man, I can tell you. <laughs> you know, so many, many of us, we, we lose the closeness that we have. Like, we might start off right, right? We start off, man, we're dating, we're, 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 we're close, man, we know each other. You mess around and be married a little while and have some kids and get a house payment and have car payments. The next thing you know, you've got lost in the sauce and you don't know what in the world they're thinking. You don't know what's going on. You don't know. You, you're, just, you're just doing life. And next thing you know, you look at each other and you're like, who are you? What's happened to you? You have some kids, and, and, and next thing you know, the, the wife loves the kids more than she loves the husband. You know why? Because the kids make her feel important, and you don't. You see, that's why what happens is we've lost what it means to be friends. We've lost what it means to have that close relationship. And if we would maintain that, if we would stay close together, then that would never happen. But see, friends, being, friendship in marriage means you've got to constantly pursue each other. You can't sit on the couch. You can't sit back and just coast. It is intentional, church. I'm telling you. The reason we put our kids above our spouse, the reason we put jobs above our spouses is because we get our, 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 our priorities all jacked up because we're not being fulfilled at home, so these other things give us fulfillment. And what you're doing is you're, you're neglecting the whole design on when God, why God created man and woman and put you together. If he just wanted you to cohabitate, he would, it, there would not have been this image of like Christ and the church. Because Christ in the church is intimacy. Christ in the church is knowing each other. Christ in the church is walking together. You know, our relationships are meant to be rich in friendship. But so often 
in our marriages, if they're not intentional, they just they turn into to cohabitation. And I want to tell you from experience, when you're just roommates, when you're just cohabitating together, that is empty. That is empty. And if you're not careful, that cohabitation, that, that just living together, you can only stay in emptiness so long before you start looking for love in all the wrong places. And if you would turn back and like, I'm coming back to my first love. I'm coming back to, to where I once fell in love with you and I, 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 you were pursuing me and I was pursuing you. When you come back to that, that's when your marriage and your relationship will change. But it won't until you come back to that. We can't keep playing the blame game. We've got to come back and say, I want you and I'm not giving up on you. We've got to find some grit. Amen? It's so easy to quit. We've got to find some grit. And so one of the things that got me is a couple of weeks ago, what really provoked me to write this message, and God put it on my heart, is a couple of weeks ago I had a, a good friend of mine. He was preaching this funeral for this couple. Well, it, was, it was a man. The husband had died, and he was meeting with the wife. They'd been married 55 years. Been to church their whole entire life. Great Christian family. Helps in the church. There's all these things. And he sits down, and he's like, man, excited. He's going to get able to write this great going home sermon. He's asked his wife questions about what his husband, you know, what is, what is deep, what he, what he aspired to be, you know, what made him fulfilled. Asking him a lot of questions, and she couldn't answer him. She's like, I don't know. I don't know. He's like, well, how can you be married to a man for 55 years and not know the answers to these questions? She said, well, we just never talked about it. And he got in the car, and he got on the way home, and he was like mad. Like, how can they be married 55 years and not know this? And then he began to ask himself the same questions about his wife, and he realized he didn't know either. And he said, I've been married 16 years to this same woman, and I don't know her any more than I did when we said I do. And I have done, and my wife doesn't know me. And I know that is not how God designed this marriage to be. See, church, becoming friends means that we must stick together. Amen? We got to be together. That word in Proverbs when he says that if we have a, brother that, that we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, I love how the Bible intertwines itself. But in, in um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 he says that, therefore, a, a man and a woman shall leave their father and mother and cleave to one, to one another. Y'all heard that, right? Y'all heard that before in church? That word cleave and that word stick is the same exact word in the Hebrew language. So if you're going there, to, there's someone that sticks closer than a brother. And if you're going to leave your father and mother, you're going to cleave to one another means you have to learn how to be friends. You have to learn how to be close together. That word cleave means to be permanently attached. Permanently attached. When you cleave, that means you just take some super glue and y'all are glued together for life. That's why you better make sure you pick the right one. Amen? I'm just playing. You, you. See, marriage was meant to be permanent. It's, it's such a permanent bond. And you, you can't, I don't want to be permanently stuck to someone that I'm not friends with. I don't want to be permanently stuck to someone that don't know me. And if you find yourself right now knowing that, that your spouse doesn't, they're not your best friend, they don't know you that way, then today is the day that when you change that and you go home and you start learning more about them. 
Well, you pursue them. You pursue their heart. You pursue their interests. You pursue the things that they love. I understand that most people in here aren't friends in their marriage. Sabrina and I have been married 16 years, and we probably only became best friends probably in the last five years. Wouldn't you say? Well, it's me being your best friend. How about that? You know, so, so where do you begin? Let's just start in the beginning, right? Let's start in Genesis chapter 2. We'll start in verse 23. He says, the man said, then man said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He sh she shall be, be called woman, for she was taken out of me. That is why a man leaves his father and a mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. So in the beginning, that word, we talked about that word cleave a while ago, but permanently glued to, becoming one. The way you become friends is you, you commit to not giving up on each other. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how unfulfilled your marriage may be or this relationship may be, you commit to, I'm going to have some grit and I'm not going to quit. Because I love Jesus and I'm committed to you and I'm not breaking either one of those. The way you keep it is you have to, you have to dig in. And this is what people don't like preached, but it's the reality. You've got to dig in. Because sometimes it's hard. Amen? Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes the other person does things that hurts you to the core. Well, you think you will never be able to overcome it. But you have to come back to who you are in Christ and love them like Christ loves you. But to realize you can't quit. See, becoming one is a process of knowing each other inside and out. Ladies, I want to show of hands. Who in here does not want a man to know them inside and out? Men, look around. It's a deep desire for a woman, for her husband to know her. It's a deep desire for a woman, for a man to, to love her enough to take the time to know her. And not just know what kind of coffee she drinks. No, know what makes her tick. Know those things. Be, that's what a godly man does. He pursues his wife. And it's a process. But it takes intentionality. It takes, you have to want it. You have to want it. There, early in my marriage, Sabrina was mad at me all the time. I never knew why. You know why? Because I never took the time to ask her. I was just like, well, she mad. I'm going back hunting. You know what I'm saying? You know? I, she, she called me. It's, this was comical. But she would call me and be like, what time are you getting home? Be like, I don't know. I, I guess 2 o'clock. Okay, all right. And so I, I would be hunting and look up at 2.30. I'd be like, ooh. I'd call her. That's before they started, you know, text message was popular. I'd call her again. And I'd be like, hey, I, I'm still hunting. The dogs are still running. I'm sorry, baby. But I, I can't leave right now. I'll be home at 4.30. 4.30, no at home. Man, when I got home at 8.30, I'm like, you know what, boys? Y'all got a cot I can sleep on. I don't want to go home. I think she's upset with me. When she had supper done at 2 o'clock, she's been keeping it warm since then. Don't get no amens on that one. But see, when I started understanding what made her tick and being intentional with loving her, things started changing our relationship. She didn't stay mad at me half as much or half as long. But see, the only way to understand that, verse 25 says this. It says that Adam 
and his wife. They were both naked, how convenient, and unashamed, right? It's amazing how you can be, there can be no drama when, when, when there's nakedness going on. Y'all going to make this awkward, right? Y'all just going to look at me. <laughs> See, I love this part because we fail to realize that they were naked and unashamed. Which meant there was complete transparency in front of each other. They were completely transparent. There was nothing to cover. There was nothing, there was nothing there. They were completely transparent with one another. Is your marriage completely transparent? Do you feel like your marriage is a safe place? Do you feel like the relationship you're in with the, with the person that you're going to marry, do you feel like it is a place in which you can share your hurts, your, the things you struggle with? How about sin in your life? Is it a safe place to share those things, that transparency? Because that's how it was designed in the beginning, for your relationships to be transparent. When your relationship is transparent, there's no need for suspicion. When your relationship is transparent, there's no need for distrust because you trust one another and you understand each other. You see, this is one of the biggest ingredients. One of the main ingredients in becoming one to be best friends in marriage is having a relationship built on transparency. See, transparency, most marriages are ruined because of lack of transparency. Just being, I'm just being real, right? Be real with each other. Be transparent with one another. It's a must, church. It's a must. And God intended it that way. Because being transparent is motivated in love because you want them to know that you're trustworthy and, and you want them to trust you. You want me to know that you know if your marriage is transparent or not? How about, do you have a code on your phone that your spouse don't know the number to? Because we're so guarded. We don't want them to know this or know that or know this or know that. I, there's nothing in my phone that my wife, even Jesus Christ, can't see. We got to be transparent. And if there's stuff that I'm hiding in here, then that's some stuff that I need to get right with my spouse. And it might not be them. It might be insecurity that I have. Anyway. So we've got to understand that to be, that have this marriage that God's called you to have, this, this relationship that God wants you to have, you have to be transparent. You have to be intentional. And that's what so many of us are missing. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. See, friendship in marriage is when we help each other through pain. Right? We help each other through struggles and pain. How many of us, when, when your spouse is upset, you just ignore it and hope it goes away? Don't raise your hand. But see, when, when, when my wife hurts, I hurt. When my wife is in pain, I'm in pain because I want to alleviate those things. Man, let me tell you something. This is, this is where we need to learn to listen. Amen? See, so many times I want to gain information so I can fix the problem. And when my wife is hurting, what I have realized is that when, when my wife is hurting, she doesn't need me to fix the problem. She just needs me to listen. She just needs me to hold her while she cries. And she just needs to hear my voice say, baby, it's going to be okay. That's what she needs more than anything in the world. 
I missed that for so long in my marriage because I was trying to fix her, trying to fix the problem. She told me people that hurt her, I'm fitting to go hurt them. You know what I'm saying? And that just made things worse. She didn't need that. She's a big girl. She could take care. She just needed me to handle her emotional needs at home. Church, I'm telling you, when you understand that, it is, it is, it is so important. It is so encouraging to me. When she, and I, I didn't understand that. She had to school me in that. Sometimes, women, you just need to tell your husband that. And then tell him again. And then tell him again, because I'm hard-headed and she had to tell me a lot. Sometimes with an exclamation point at the end of it and very loud hollering, but she told me. But when I understood that, it changed a lot in our relationship. Because I under, and it took a lot of pressure off of me trying to fix it because I knew I couldn't fix it, and there was frustration in that. So instead, I just held her and I hugged her and I cried along with her. That's what they need. That's what she needs. Ladies, I want to tell you something. If your man is going through a hard time, look, just letting him know that you care is a big deal. Okay? And look, I know sometimes in relationships these roles are reversed because some men act like women and some women act like men. I, 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 <laughs> we'll just leave that there, but... So wherever you are in the emotional status, this is what you, you just take, take it where it is. But just letting him know that you care is a big deal. Don't get upset if he don't tell you all the details because newsflash is men don't give details. Amen? My wife can ask me, what did you and Ben talk about? Oh, we talked about, we've been on the phone for an hour and a half. We talked about hunting. She's like, what? I asked her what her and a friend talked about. We're still talking about it an hour and a half later. You know what I'm saying? Women are about details, men are not. But see, you need to let them know. They need to know that you are a safe place for them to share their emotions and share their hearts. Because let me give you a little a bit of advice. If they know that you can't keep your mouth shut, they're not going to tell you anything. If they hear you telling everybody else's business, they ain't going to tell you their business. Just being real. If you like a broke refrigerator, can't keep nothing, they ain't going to tell you nothing. Because we as men, we're, most of us are prideful. We don't want our business out there. And if, we're, we're, if we won't tell our closest male friends our issues, what makes you think we're going to tell you unless we know you're going to keep it quiet? I struggle with stuff all the time. And it took me forever. We've been married 16 years. It took me until we got into ministry for me to realize my wife is a safe place. And when I began to tell her, hurt from the past and issues I had, I really, I felt like a little girl. I'm like, man, don't, don't think less of me, baby. I was scared because we as men think that we can't tell nobody nothing. What happens is we hold stuff in until we explode or we decay inside and we're emotionally dead. And we can't connect with anyone. That's why God wants our relationships to be like, be friend, be like best friends so that you can tell your spouse the most intimate things of your life. It's one thing to connect on the sexual level. It's another thing to connect emotionally. And that emotional connection will last way more longer. Because whether you understand it or not, the sex is going to stop one day. If you don't believe me, just stay married long enough. No amens, all right? I guess we got issues. I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to be real. It's not always rainbows and lollipops. It's not always a lifetime movie at your house. 
it ain't always those type things. It's real life. Things get in the way. And if you're not careful, we have these unrealistic ideas that if we're not careful, it just gets us all jacked up. See, transparency demands trust, church, and trust is acquired over time. We have to trust one another. I got, I got to trust you. Being friends in marriage, it's, 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 it's a deeper level of trust than anything else. When we work toward transparency, church, then we can work through any type, any type of obstacles in our relationship. When I see marriages that are struggling because of different things, I can automatically go to they can't be transparent. They don't trust one another. But when we're, there's so much more power in your relationship when you can be transparent with your spouse because, man, you can overcome obstacles that happen in your past that are holding you back in your future right now. When you can share those things, you, you can deal with the past. When, let me tell you, there's a lot of, 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 of people that have intimacy issues because of things that happened when they were a kid. And you're bound... I, I, I struggle with this so much because there's so many people that they struggle on an intimacy level and in their marriage always one doesn't feel like the other one loves them because they can't connect because there was either kind of sexual abuse or some kind of abuse when they were a kid and they never they never have told what they told their spouse about it because they felt ashamed about it and it's always been this obstacle it's always been this place of contention in their relationship but if they could just get over themselves and trust their spouse and say look when I was this happened, and it's always made me second guess someone of the opposite sex because I always think they want something from me instead of really wanting me. That changes things, church. That makes your mate really want to please you, want to, want to go the extra mile because they see the hurt that happened, but they won't, they, won't, they won't come alongside of you until you open that up. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of couples have... Communication issues because in their past they were married or they were, they were in a relationship with someone who physically, not physically, but maybe verbally abused them. So they hear everything you say through that same negative filter, and so it causes issues. But if y'all would just walk and walk through that, you could reassure them that you're not that man or you're not that woman. And you will know how to come to your spouse in such a way or to your friend in such a way. That they can hear you and hear your heart, not hear your voice through their voice. Being transparent is so important, church. We miss this. We beat our head against the wall. When all could be solved by us being intentional, understanding each other, our past relationships with parents, our past relationships with relatives, all those things, how you respond to things, it comes from your past. So understanding your past will help you today. There's things in some people's past that they've never shared with their spouse because they don't think their spouse will accept them because of it. Because we won't be transparent. And, I, and, and it all comes back to Satan getting in your ear saying, well, if you share that, they won't love me as much. They won't care about me. If that man woman is a Christian they follow in Christ, they will. They will look over those things. They will, it might break their heart for you, but they will walk beside you and they will try their best to overcome it with you because you are not just by yourself to have become one. Y'all with me? And we end this together. 
See, some, some of you need to go home and just look at your spouse and say, baby, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I don't care how crazy you get, we're going to stay together. Amen? I'm talking from a women's perspective because sometimes us men can be crazy. Amen? Get one amen. I'm telling you, y'all women are hard on me today. Dealing with sin, being transparent. See, see, marriage is meant to make you more and more to the image of Christ. Y'all with me? So you should be able to confess sin to your spouse. Some of you men are like, uh-huh. It's that part of being friendship. I remember the first time that, that I shared with Sabrina. I was like, baby, I've really been struggling. And she's like, what you been struggling with? And I was like, I've just been struggling. She said, what you been struggling with? I said, I've just been struggling. Can't you just take that? Well, how can I pray with you? Just pray for my struggles. She was like, that's very generic. I'm like, well, I've, I've struggled with lust. <laughs> what? Who? I'm like, don't worry about who or what or nothing. No, she didn't ask that. But I love my wife because she looked at me and she knows the struggles of things. And she says, I'll pray for you. And to know that I have a wife that loves me in spite of my sin and that, that, that's going to pray for me and not hold that over my head is, was monumental in, for me. It made me know that I could trust her. When, when I told my wife about uh, when we were struggling in our marriage and, and, and one, one day out of weakness I turned to porn and I told her about it, you talk about, you talk about something that, that's shameful. It's shameful to even tell a congregation, much less tell my wife. And I cried and I told her how and she never held that over my head. At least I know of. But she never held that over my head. She's always prayed with me. She's always forgave me. She's always showed me the love of Christ. You have to have transparency in marriage. And you have to walk with each other through sin. Because there's things that you can't overcome on your own. And God put a man and a woman together to become one for a reason. For her to help you overcome your issues. And for you to help her overcome her issues. Y'all with me? You can't look like Jesus being prideful and not telling your spouse your issues. But it takes you, both you guys pursuing Jesus together for you to be mature enough to accept those sins, to look at those sins, and help pray for your husband or for your spouse against those sins. It takes maturity. Now some of you are like, well, I ain't ready for that. But you got to be taking steps in that direction. You know, the last thing is, you might play for a minute, but the last thing is intimacy. But you can't have friendship without intimacy. And, and one of the things that, that I think we realize, we, I think we think, we talk about intimacy, we think automatically we think sex. You know what I'm saying? We think, oh, intimacy. We think, you're, talking about, I know, you're talking about candles, some Marvin Gaye playing in the background. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, come on, y'all, what y'all doing? I mean, y'all like, shameful. I mean, come on, God gave us this gift, but... The thing is, intimacy is so much more than sex. We ain't preaching on sex today. We're preaching on intimacy. See, intimacy is a connection. Intimacy is a connection. Men want sex. Women want intimacy. See, and, and so many of us, we fear intimacy because we fear of being really emotionally or close to somebody. 
But intimacy is really knowing each other. Relationships without intimacy is empty. Sex without intimacy is fulfilling for a while, but eventually it's, em it's empty. And if your relationship is built on sex and, and, and there's no intimacy in it, and eventually when the sex stops, you're looking for something else to fulfill you because you never were really fulfilled with your spouse in the first place. Intimacy is so important. I want to give you some advice as we go through this. See, your wife, she desires to know you. Your wife wants to know you more than your mama knows you. Your, your, your wife wants to know you so intimately. She wants to, to know that she cares about your feelings. She wants to understand you even though you don't think she understands you. And when the only time that you are intimate with your wife is when you have sex and then you get up and you go do your business, you leave, and you don't spend time with her, then it makes her feel empty. It makes her feel used. And sometimes it just makes her feel dirty. Because you got what you wanted out of a relationship and you didn't spend time or care enough for hers. And the reality, church, is that God gave us sex to connect, but intimacy takes that connection a little deeper. It's time for us to really care about one another. Not to, to care about really just not wanting them to feel empty, not feel disconnected, not feel unfulfilled. We have to take time and learn each other and know what makes each other tick. Know what makes them attracted to you. Know what makes them upset. That's what it's all about. Knowing each other and feeling loved and valued is huge in a relationship. Am I wrong? If you're single or you're dating, I want to tell you something. This is something that, that you need to get in, get in your relationship from the start, right? It helps you understand the other person. It tells you a lot about that person. If you're dating, then you shouldn't be having sex outside of marriage. That's God's plan and God's, God's rule for your life. But actually knowing someone on a, deep, on a true, deep level, what happens is we know someone so superficially, and then when we get married, we find out who they really are, and then we don't like who they really are because we had an invested time in knowing them on a deep level. One of the, one of the things, one of the resources I challenge you to go read is, is a book by Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages to help you understand what makes you tick, what makes you feel love, what makes them feel love, so you can talk about those things. It talks about five things. It talks about words of affirmation. It makes you feel loved. Using words to build each other up, build the other person up, thanking them for taking out the, cra the trash or 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 the garbage. Not, not words like, well, it's about time you took out the trash. Huh? You know what I'm saying? I mean, words of affirmation. Some people are, are drawn to that. Acts of service. Doing something for your spouse that you know they would like without expecting something out of it. Like, like washing the dishes, cooking a meal, vacuuming the floors, all kind of acts of service. Some women, when you do those things, or some men, when you do those things, that made them feel like you really care about them. Some people are like receiving gifts, a gift, saying, I'm, I'm thinking about you. Quality time, which that is my wife's number one. By which I mean giving your spouse your undivided attention. Talking, taking a walk together, sitting on the couch, watching TV together without your cell phones. See, I listen. Talking and listening to one another. 
that's, that's a love language. Physical touch, holding hands, hugging, kissing, everything else that applies. Know what makes each other tick. And then do that for your spouse so they know that you, are love, that you love them. If you're always worried about you being fulfilled, you will never be fulfilled. You have to give in order to receive. Amen? And it's so important. Understanding what makes your partner tick is so that you can connect. It's so important. And, and I'm going to close on this. Why, why is that important, you may ask? Why? Why is being friends, why is understanding what friendship in the context of marriage, why, why, why is that important, you say? Well, because of what Jesus says. Because of the gospel. That's why it's important to me. Because Jesus says in John chapter 15, in verse 12, he says, My command is this. He says, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friend. If you do what I have commanded. True friendship is true submission, church. True love is true submission. True love is when I'm giving all my all of me to all of you. True connection is when I'm not holding nothing back. I'm, I'm 150% invested. Expecting you to give your 150%. If you're dating someone you, and it's not giving you that, you need to run. And if you're married and you're in a relationship like that right now that you don't feel like you have connected, that you're struggling, like you're thinking about maybe divorce, you don't know what's going on, maybe today is when you, you come and you say, Lord, help me change my heart so that I can lay down my life. Christ loves the church is if you're intentionally pursuing this friendship. If you're, and friendship is a deeper level, right? Pursuing this deepness, this, this, this intimate knowledge, this the desire to know them. And that's what it's about. See, because Christ is my Savior, because Christ is my Deliverer, because He is my friend, and because of the gospel, church, I am compelled to pursue after him more every day. I'm pursued to know him more. I'm pursued to, to get up. Like last night, I hadn't had spent time with God all day, and I couldn't go to bed without spending time with my Jesus. I stayed up till midnight spending time with Jesus. And last night, I'm writing this message, and I got convicted. Say, like, Jeremy, you, you, you feel empty when you ain't spent time with Jesus. But when's the last time you felt empty when you really hadn't taken time to spend time with time with Sabrina when you allow life to get in the way and she's begging for your attention see church I'm telling you we have to be able to lay down our priorities lay down everything to show the world the sacrificial love of Christ to our spouse some of our spouses will never know the love of Jesus until you lay down your life to show them see this is what this is why our relationships, it should mirror. It should mirror this passionately pursuing nature if we pursue each other, church. Like recklessly abandon each other. I'm, I'm recklessly abandoning my own needs to pursue you. 
I'm willing to sacrifice me for you. That's what love looks like. That's what the love of Jesus looks like. That's what friendship and marriage looks like. I'm abandoning me for you. I see you more valuable than myself. Your feelings are more important than my feelings. The way you feel is more important than the way I feel. Your fulfillment is more important than my fulfillment. When I am completely submitted to Christ, then I am completely submitted to loving my wife the way he loves me. When you are fulfilled by the gospel, that's when you will allow him to fulfill you. And you will gladly fulfill him. Because of what Christ has done, church, we see what true intimacy looks like. Christ came down from the Father. I love this. We're going to close on this. But he came down from the Father. And you know what's so beautiful about what Jesus did is he came down and he lived among men. Yes, he lived among men so he could pay our penalty of sin, but he lived among men to show us what it meant to be submitted to the Father. But another reason that I love is he lived among men so that he would be a God that can empathize with your pain. He's a God that knows how you feel. He knows what rejection feels like. He knows what letdown feels like. He knows what unfulfillment feels like. He knows what all these emotions that we feel feel like. We serve a God that knows where we are. Whoa, that's exciting to me. There's nothing that I don't, I'm going through in life that I, my Jesus does not know how I feel. That's why I can come to him. There's nothing in your relationship that he has not felt. That's why you can bring it to him. And there's nothing in your marriage that he can't heal if you will bring it to him. See, Jesus is so amazing because he comes as a servant to serve his people with empathy. See, true intimacy comes through sacrifice and vulnerability, church. Because of the gospel, we have the power to love sacrificially. We have the power through Christ to overcome the past. We have the power through Christ to really to be able to love our spouse and to love them hard, to embrace them, to grab a hold of them and not let them go. We have the ability to, to, to have that, that, that grip, that grit of saying, I'm not going to quit on you, even if you quit on me. Because Jesus has never given up on me, no matter how far I ran from him. This is radical love that no one has ever seen before because we are not truly submitted to the king. And we can't show that love to our spouse unless we're truly submitted. The gospel gives us that. It's the power, church. That is the power that we need to grab a hold of. It's power to love. In such a radical way that no one's ever seen before. That's why it talks about love and relationships like Christ loves the church. Because when you love in such a sacrificial way, some people look at you and say, how in the world do you do that? And you get to share the gospel with them. Because of how you have embraced and submitted to the king. And loving your spouse in such a way. And that's awesome. I pray that the way I love my wife people come to know Jesus just by seeing me love her. Not her loving me, but the way I love her. I pray that the way she loves me back, the women see the way she loves me back and how I don't deserve it most days, but they see that and it encourages them to stay a little longer, to love a little harder, to press in a little faster. Church, I'm telling you, we can't show the world this awesome love of Christ if we don't know the love of Jesus ourselves. And you know when our marriage changed? 
It changed in the spring of 2012. When we were fixing to get a divorce and didn't know what to do, we both prayed for God to change. And I said, God, change, change me, change the situation. My wife prayed one simple prayer. She said, Lord, I went to church my whole life, but God, if I don't really know you, change me, save me. Salvation changes things. I couldn't love her that way if he hadn't changed me in 2008. So some of the greatest issues in marriage could be solved by one or both spouses really submitting their life to Jesus, giving their life to Christ, really submitting their life to Jesus. If you've been married, Multiple times, I'm not going to name a number this week, but if you've been named, if you've been married multiple times, and, and you're scared about this next relationship, you don't know, all right, if I'm going to get, what, am, I, am I going to, is this one going to end up in failure? Search your heart and see if you really are in tune, you really are following Christ, and maybe today's the day you need to give your life to Jesus so you can love that next person the way Christ designed for you to love. Church, it all starts with true salvation.